As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello, welcome to another edition of Always There. Um, just before we kick off, sorry, this is Julia, by the way. Hi. Just before we kick off, um, I have to address a, a question from last week's episode. Um, the brilliant Paul Litchfield raised a couple of interesting questions. Well, the kind of questions I find interesting anyway. He was keen to know if anybody could identify the font of the Howard's Way logo. Obviously, there are two different ones. And friend of the show, Chris Orton, um, you have to go and find him on Twitter. He's Chris Orton 2011 at Chris Orton 2011. Um, he has a brilliant red bubble shop, by the way, where he designs uh, sort of 80s TV logos and puts them on T-shirts. I have so many of his Howard's Way things now. It's getting silly. Uh, the link's on his profile. Anyway, he knows about fonts, and he says, with some authority, uh, the Series 1, uh, I quote, the ghastly pink logo, close quotes, uh, is Milton MN, apparently. And in subsequent series, the main logo, the title is Americana Standard Extra Bold. So thank you, Chris, for that. Genuinely, I love a geek font. Um, I'm married to one. Uh, but he couldn't identify that, so well done, seriously. And um, he still uh, says he doesn't know. The, the other question Paul asked is, does anybody know what the blankety-blank thinking theme music is um, that they used to play when the celebrities are thinking of their answers? Uh, he doesn't know that, sadly. Um, but if anybody does, please get in touch at AlwaysTheirPod on Twitter. Anyway, so there we go. Question answered. If you can answer any of the burning questions from this podcast, we always love to hear from you. Please get in touch at Always There Pod. And now please enjoy episode six, series two of Always There. Bye. Hello, ahoy and welcome to Always There, the Howard's Way podcast. I'm Julia Rayside. Thank you for joining me as I navigate through every single episode of the 1980s seafaring soap opera set in the fictional English coastal town of Tarrant. It would be a lonely voyage without you. And joining me this week to discuss series two, episode six, is the actor and writer Frogstone again. Yay! I begged to come Yay! back. Yay! Oh, delighted to have <laughs> you back. Welcome back aboard. So, since I've seen you, you've become a parent. Oh. And... Also the proud owner of a Howard's Way box set. How's Absolutely that going? Absolutely <laughs> brilliant. I confess I have not managed to make my way through 
all of it. You've only got twins. What, what on earth can I you have been doing? I, the twins are not called Tom and Ken. Well, I mean, I can't pretend I'm not disappointed. I mean, you know, maybe uh, they could add them, like with not their even, confirmation names. Yeah, or, like middle know. names. Come on. They're, no, they're called Albert and Felix. Oh. Yeah. And I've seen them and they're bloody gorgeous. They are. So anyway, we must crack on with far more important things. Howard's Way waits for no man or twin. So we rejoined Howard's Way. We're in the second series, episode six. Again, you get really good yachting episodes. Last season, you got the Fastnet mm-hmm. race. This season, Transatlantic Crossing. And yet again, <laughs> it starred someone I know. No, what? No, yeah. But, but who, who do you know? My who? mate's dad, mm. who's, I guess he's my friend now, I've known for a long time, Bill Thomas, the actor Bill Thomas, oh, yes. who plays the journalist. Oh, oh my God, look at Bill. Oh, he's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. He's a proper hack in this, isn't he? Um, yeah, no. So he I breaks like, into oh people's God. houses. and So he's someone you've actually hung out with. Yeah, he did my show reel. Cool. My first show reel, I think. So my mate Emma, who is not an actor, we were at university together and she had a photo of her family up in her room. Oh. And we swiftly became best mates because we were the, I think we were the only two who got hammered on the first night. Hey, <laughs> friends for life. Exactly. Um, and I was like, oh, your dad's so familiar. I mean, have I met him? And she was like, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think Emma sort of hates that. say, oh. Well, she didn't really care. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Sure. Um, and... Uh, and I eventually I was like, oh, and because he was in the House of Elliot as well. Yes, that's right. He and was. And Bodger and Badger. Miss Evie. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, Bill. Yeah, no, he is, oh. and he's great. And he was in an advert for beer. Oh, yeah. Mm. Where it was the complaints department. Oh, I don't know. This is going back now. Do you remember what beer? Yeah, probably the best one in the world. Oh, OK, it, that, that Carl one. Is that Carl in Carlsberg? Yeah, Carlsberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we don't drink lager. Drinker, no. um, and, um, <laughs> we drink gin and tonics at the Jolly Oh, wine. Wine. <laughs> Wine. Um, yeah, so uh, and I, I didn't know he'd been in it. But nice. it's like last time, you know, I recognised Carol. You did. The fashion yes. lady, designer lady. And this yes. one was like, Bill! I like that we're keeping this in the family. It's very exactly, nice. Exactly, but I just want all random episodes and every single time yeah. to be somebody I've worked with or know. I will make sure that happens. I have a feeling that just happens to you a lot anyway. What with you being such a, a central tent peg of the industry. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we join this episode with actually, first of all, a close-up of Tom who's phoning the Coast Guard because obviously uh, Tom and Jan are now apoplectic with worry because they've heard that Lynn's radio signal in the Barracuda has disappeared. They know the weather was bad off the coast of Newfoundland. And, Why um, did you have to design boats, Tom? <laughs> favourite, already Indeed. straight onto the favourite line of the episode. <laughs> and they're trying to get in touch with, is it Portishead Receiving Station? Yeah, that was confusing. I was that's like, that's definitely still. The yes, I think it is. <laughs> Just imagine the members of Portishead down there going, no news yet, sorry, we'll get back to you with anything when we hear it. All right. Well, um, we should talk about some accents in this episode. Oh, yeah. And I'm afraid, Bill, much as I love him, why did he have a strong <laughs> sort of Dorset, I would say, I know. accent? They decided that would be the journalist's accent of choice. I yeah, don't but know why. nobody else did or ever has had. He's, he's shipped in from out of town, clearly. But yes, Jan <laughs> is very angry with Tom. Uh, she delivers the immortal line about designing boats. She clearly wants someone to blame, but she's just sort of, she's shooting blame hither and yon. She doesn't really care. Oh, she's got a lot on her plate at the moment. She has. This really was the last thing she needed. <laughs> it, it simply was. One of my children just steals a boat and runs off a 
across the Atlantic. After recovering from amnesia. Yeah, while I'm trying to get going with my boutique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And her bald boyfriend won't give her the money for it. Well, I mean, it's he's just... up to his eyes in it. He so is. to discuss because there's a bit I just didn't understand oh, about okay. money. I can help you with that. Don't worry. I'm on top of all the financial stuff. Oh, good. So anyway, Tom defends the design of the Barracuda, says there's nothing wrong with that boat. Thank you very much. And Jan looks put out. And then we cut to the nature reserve where the activists are gathering by the wire fence and Abby and Leo are discussing Lynn and obviously just to establish that he's worried about her too. You know, he's also worried about nature because that's Leo through and through. And then a reporter arrives. And I go, oh my God, it's Bill. And, and Mrs. Frogstone goes, oh, ugh, you're making me watch this boring thing. <laughs> <laughs> what? So I said, come on. Claims never to have seen an episode. I just don't know. Is she right for you? I'm just not, I'm well, not sure I she's right know. for you. Um, but... You know, by the end, she's enjoying it all. Oh, well, then then she may stay. The reporter says he's going to get the nationals interested in yeah. a small protest by Nature Reserve. Yeah. And I'm it not, is I'm small. not sure how. It is. There's not very many people there. I mean, there's a little joke like, oh, Greenham Common in eight. <laughs> yes, exactly. So then we go to Kate's house where Jack is reassuring her as she too is worried about Lynn, just to establish the Howard family in their various uh, locations are worried about Lynn. And he suggests that she have a brandy, but he says he's remaining on the wagon and has an orange juice. But he has drunk in other episodes, Jack. I'm not quite sure if he's just doing it for her benefit. But before that, Mm. Jack has some brilliant acting. Oh, yes. When he says something that's very difficult for him to say. Oh, that's right. Just to admit how good it is. And he does special acting where he juts his head to emphasise it's the best boat there's ever been. I thought that was really sweet. It was good, but it was a special form of acting. Yes, it was. It's almost physically stuck in his craw to say that Tom's boat is a brilliant design. It's like he's being gritty in the past. Yes, yes, I know what you mean. That's a really good way of putting it. So anyway, we leave them discussing things. And meanwhile, over at Charles Frere's office, he's eating peanuts from a crystal bowl. Which, as well, is a very, you know... He even says, ha it's peanuts to me <laughs> yes. whilst taking them. And I think, nice visual know, gag there. he took the afternoon off after that scene. <laughs> Once they'd done the lighting for the next day. Yeah, feet uh, up on the desk. I think we'll call that a day. They were in we? a club, weren't they? So Charles Freer's mansion is kind of an amorphous beast. You can't really ever tell if they're there or not but there's definitely an office in the mansion there's also a gym there's also that kind of baronial seating area you're never sure I think it is actually part of his mansion well somebody was making lunch yes I think they were probably his French chef he has a French chef would you have your own peanuts in a crystal bowl I don't know but I mean it was in front of like his set of decanters and glasses though so I Mm. figured it was just part of the set he probably brought them from you know the back of the Reader's Digest or something (laughs) (laughs) it was very full one of those decanters yes no it was I mean I imagine the butler replenishes it daily anyway they are discussing business as usual Gerald's with him and they're talking about Ken Masters and how they're going to string him out financially so that uh, presumably with the idea of making him go bust but how I don't know how that affects their right so this is the first okay let's learn something confusing (laughs) yes okay you can teach me about finance oh dear (laughs) well that's not a sentence that anyone's ever said to me before well (laughs) but you said you had it all sewn up oh no I definitely do so they're in on it all together, aren't they? Yes. This marina I, project. But I think they've made Masters the front man for it and he's, he's got borrowed £1.6 million. Pounds. And he has to pay £204,000 a year on this loan. He's got a very bad interest rate because he's a well, spiv. <laughs> later, I know we're getting ahead, but they say, but he puts it in his calculator on his desk. He does. It takes him quite a long time. Oh, yeah. And then it? says, but that's two points above the base rate. Couldn't you do better than that? And I think two points above. That's very good, isn't well, it? Well, I mean, maybe back then it wasn't. I don't... Finance 
in the 80s, I'm not so on top of. Well, like, no, I mean, they deregulated everything. And now look. <laughs> look what's happened. <laughs> Ken Masters would have been fine now. But no, so he's borrowed a lot of money. And I think they somehow managed to ring fence Ken's financial investment in it so it won't affect them. Obviously, they're a much bigger fish in terms of finances. They're bringing Ken in because he's yeah, got the how, Why do they want to get rid of it? Doesn't he own it, the land? No, so Ken doesn't own it. They are going in and buying it together from, I don't know, the council, whoever. Ken is using backhanders to get the council to agree plan. Ah, action. yes. Because although it's not officially a nature reserve, it's locally thought of as a nature reserve. So there's a lot of shenanigans going on with planning. <laughs> it's not actually a nature reserve, though, and that's quite it clear is, at the protest. It isn't. Yeah, it, it is, a bird. Not, yeah, no. No, but actually, um, in last, is it last episode, the episode before, there's a really nice shot of Leo looking out across the mudflats and then some, I think, library footage of lovely birds somewhere else that they just <laughs> stuck over the top. And if, it, if that was genuinely locally shot footage, then I apologise. But they were quite exotic-looking <laughs> seabirds with very long bills. But no, it is. It's definitely definitely a nature reserve and they must save it it's very important so they need ken to go bust and they want to sort of embarrass him as well as make him go bust and then they just say you're not part of the deal the loan then what defaults to us ken has independently gone to sir john stevens Mm. the famous international banker (laughs) and secured this large amount of money obviously and even in the 80s i mean god how much is 1.6 million it's it's loads and but he is very much maxing out his credit and if he can't make the repayments i mean presumably he loses everything his business his house his car everything which is what they want yeah they want i mean charles just basically wants to ruin ken's life for no obvious reason apart from he doesn't really like uh, him very because much because it's business well i he suppose he does sort of so. say that doesn't he he likes crushing people yeah so it'll be fun for the fun of it because <laughs> he's an evil smooth-haired but I mean, sadist if i knew a way of getting somebody else to get a loan of 1.6 million <laughs> that i could then embarrass and squeeze through yeah. a sort of are you saying you'd do protest. it <laughs> well i'd like to know if i could wow i think we know who you're playing in the remake you're a business Charles, yeah, bastard. Totally. i think i played him at school you yeah, know i no, played I the game of it i, I mean i was did. tom often but i think i obviously doubled as charles <laughs> didn't often see them together i don't think did no you? you didn't well whenever they're in scenes together obviously they're just glowering at one another because they've both you know had at some point an interest in the same woman charles has had an interest in every woman well that's true not jan he never fancies jan Oh no! He, although later in the series he does call her a damn fine looking woman doesn't he doesn't he say that to his dad because his dad tries uh. to but I don't think she puts out <laughs> anyway we're getting off the subject sorry well it's all the subject I mean it's all the subject obviously we can't race too far ahead in the timeline um, uh, Gerald muses that Ken will lose a lot of money and Charles says the immortal line while eating a handful of peanuts that's peanuts and then we move on to the Urquhart house where Polly is usually answering the door although this time not with a gin and tonic in her hand it might be the first time she's done that anyway she answers the door and it turns out it's someone claiming to be from the DHSS now Mm. this was the first of two I would say standout and I'm sorry I just this is said with love, isn't it, Frog? It's said with love. Because these you know, were two standout performances place. that I, I feel I recognised from regional touring <laughs> productions of Shakespeare that I went to at school. Because they're playing the note, there's something more to this. Yeah, yes, there's something I'm not telling you. <laughs> because I have to say, I was hooked on that scene. Yeah, 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 completely. I couldn't take my eyes off it. So this strange man comes in and suggests he's there to discuss... Um, an application for maternity benefits. Mm. We don't means test them. Anyone can have them. So Polly's there with Orin, who's uh, obviously the father of Abby's mm. baby, and they're a bit nonplussed by this guy's arrival. And it turns very quickly from she's entitled to maternity benefit to we might take her child into care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is a little but bit But nobody of a shock. sort of reacts that strongly to this thing. 
in so far as so like Polly is a bit embarrassed going oh we've got so much money why would she need yes, benefits exactly. she shouldn't be a burden on the state just yes. throwing in a bit of that right <laughs> yes, yes. context there just to have people going here here indeed in various parts of the country yeah. all like oh that Polly <laughs> um, and Orin is just always flicking through art museum collections constantly magazines just, he's or on programs. the floral sofa doing absolutely fuck all every time you see him and then this guy asked these lots of these questions. Where is she? Where is she? Where is she? And of course, it's obvious then that somebody who comes around to check about maternity benefit claims isn't the same department Just as not the people slightly. who are going to take your child away. No, not at all. And he doesn't have any ID. No, but they accept his word without question. It's all a bit fishy, isn't it? So he makes this quip about maybe taking the child into care and then we leave the scene to go to the newspaper where your friend is trying to convince his editor to run a story about sort of backhanders to the council. He thinks with enough digging he's going to get proof that Ken Masters probably, the trail leads back to him, he's up to no good, there's money changing hands. And the editor takes some convincing but says, go on then. And then we cut to Charles Freer, who is basically yanking Ken's chain and making him go puce with worry. And Charles just smirks and says they're going to delay the building works and Ken's sort of edifice of cool falls away and he's just panicking clearly about his money. Now, he's wearing a nice suit this episode. He always does when he has to front face with the posh business bastards. He likes to try and And a nice tie. Yeah. Mm. You know, square tie, knitted tie. Oh, is it knitted? I didn't notice. Well, it looks like one of those mm. ones. You're quite sartorially aware. Yeah. You were aware of the tuxes in the last season. Mm. He was wearing the wrong one. Yes. That kind of stuff. I mean, that's a, a good look, I think. So you think Ken's styling himself a bit better this series? If we're saying that the character of Ken is choosing clothes to wear. They yeah, I mean, that's right. Jan's influence, presumably. Oh, that's really world. good. That, see, that's a detail. I wouldn't have noticed. I like that. His fashion sense improves as he's living now. Well, he's not living with her, but, you know, they're spending a lot of time together. So Ken is left in a bit of a tears, Charles smirking scene. And then we move on to the boatyard where Avril's in lemon stripes and Tom's staring at the phone. Yes. (laughs) And then Bill comes in. And this is the first I've heard about the catamaran, but apparently, well, this might be the second time it's ever been mentioned. Of course, we know this goes on to be another big project for the yard, but uh, apparently the catamaran, the main beam, won't hold, and Bill wants his warning taken down uh, in writing that he's worried that the catamaran's beam won't hold. I see a future plot coming. What really ramps up the tension here is that if he's wrong now, has yes. he been wrong before in his barracuda yes. missing a weighty beam? And and will his daughter's life be the price Yeah, frog? would you bet your daughter's life on it? Yes, yes, it seems. Yes, it seems he would. He's so sure of himself. Even though he's never now. built a double-hulled craft before. <laughs> Literally never. Only aeroplanes, and they only have one... <laughs> Anyway, and Avril, for the first time, does question Tom as well and says, are you absolutely sure of your figures? Mm. And, you know, I don't think he is. I can see doubt creeping in. So we leave that there hanging. And then we're off to the town hall where uh, your friend, the reporter, is talking to that woman, the councillor, whose name I've forgotten, but the blonde yes. lady. And she does that brilliant thing that you must remember when you need to get information out of anybody. Just sort of go... I can't really say, oh, I don't really know. Off the record, well, I'll tell you everything. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> Always works on TV. All you, say you need off the to record. do is say off the record. <laughs> but she does say that Stephen Moffat stinks of corruption. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we all knew it in TV. But he did go on to be going very successful. <laughs> so clearly, whatever he's got, he's used it to good ends. But anyway, yeah, so some random councillor, I think he had a couple of lines in the last council meeting. He's the one who apparently could be taking the backhanders off of Ken. Maybe he was the one we saw playing snooker with Ken that time, or was it pool? 
the plot comes thick and fast in this episode. But it's very it's easy to catch people. Oh yeah. In the past. Yes, it was because there's a paper trail, literally a trail of yeah. paper. <laughs> but again, you sort of go. But given that there was a paper trail, mm. why don't you? destroy the paper by shredding everything. (laughs) It's a bit like slightly going off topic, but it's true and it bothers me. Why is it that people who do these things make it so obvious, like people who kill people and the body's missing, and then the police go and they go, well, their last Google search was how to dispose of a body. Why don't they clear their histories? (laughs) (laughs) Or just not do it on a computer at all. Yeah, it does seem a bit thick, It's always so, that's how everybody gets caught. It's true. People in your mind's eye. should be clever. (laughs) <laughs> you know, they should be like frog, yeah. kind of scary the evil things genius. I have done. Who's clearly planning or has already done? <laughs> you're just saying you've done loads of bad shit and you've gotten away with it because you're cleverer than the police. I'm pretty much. Now. I'm, I'm here now. <laughs> but when the police arrive at this office of the podcast, I'll be gone. I'll be out of the window. <laughs> We're going to have some sirens uh, sound effects just played yeah. in at the end, and then the police. <laughs> they won't on catch the door. me. I'm like God, killing, killing Eve's brilliant, isn't it? Okay, then we go from the town hall back to the boatyard. Jack, what is actually now also asking Tom to recheck his figures on the main beam of the catamaran. Uh, so everyone is now starting to doubt Tom. Obviously, that means he's going to doubt himself even more. But he's been told for the record. Exactly. And everyone has registered their concern. And although he's quite cross, he's now looking like a bit of a beaten man. Um, and also, he's just terribly, terribly worried about his daughter. He can't leave the phone. No, he can't leave the phone. But And then Avril rather sensitively suggests they go for a drive. He's like... But the phone, <laughs> it's like, oh, yes, you're waiting for news of your possibly drowned daughter. OK, fair dinkum, we'll stay put then. Back at Ken's, I think we're at Ken's house next. Jan is again, I mean, she hasn't got the message yet, asking Ken for the £30,000 she needs to start her business. And she's really exasperated. Oh, I think she's exasperated in monochrome. She's wearing quite a nice sort of black and white graphic print outfit and obviously he is now she's gone jazzy on the eye makeup yeah she has and the hair's bigger this season as well Uh, i think it's a wig so she's i think series two she said she switched a wig i think she just didn't want to have that hair anymore and um the actress uh, asked for a wig and the bbc said sure so what was her hair like underneath well i don't know i think maybe a bit longer and flatter like not as it's so up in series two it's like about three inches taller than it was in series one jan if you're listening mm, please post on twitter we'd like what your actual hair looked like are we 86? Yes, 86, yeah. So <clears throat> season two, when the wig kicked in, what was your own hair doing? We'd really like to know. Thank you. Smashing. <laughs> yes, she's really exasperated, but he, I love this scene between the two of them because obviously they have their kind of whole sexual relationship going on, but also there's uh, it's slightly entangled with the financial promise of Ken going to sort of back Jan's business. Uh, but he's been he's had his dick so chopped off in the last scene with Charles, and now his woman's going, you know, financially make love to him, and he's like, I can't. Aunt. And it's really <laughs> awful because he hates feeling like that. You see, that is a beautiful analogy. Mm. And it's also, it is the 80s. Yeah. Sex and money, money and Could, sex. You couldn't, you couldn't get a stiffy without having a huge wallet full of money. Uh, next to it or something (laughs) Um, but also it's now complicated even more I actually love the way this is all worked out because Ken needs Leo to stop his protesting because he thinks that's what's holding Charles up because Charles uses that as an excuse oh the environmental protest we can't carry on with the building work yet so he's desperate he's panicking about the money and obviously Jan will benefit if she can get Leo to back down from the protest she thinks and Ken thinks that she'll benefit because then Ken will have his money mm. and then Jan will get her money from Ken. And there's a nice little moment of pathos, though, where she sort of says, you know, it's the first time you've admitted that you don't have limited resources. Yes, exactly. And then he goes, oh, I've never said I had limited resources. <laughs> and she goes, I know, but it's the first time that you've said it just to... Yeah. Obviously, the kind of thing Jan would notice because she's been starry-eyed over his 
confidence and his swagger, even though she didn't want to admit it, that's kind of one of the things she finds sexy about him. But equally, she finds honesty sexy. And his vulnerability even a bit sexy Because, as well. you know, Tom is all... My boats are perfect and my beam is the right size. <laughs> you don't know a good beam when you see one. <laughs> but she's into different beams now. She so is. Can we segue this into a fashion? No, we can't, can we? It's just, yeah, she's... Seams, beams. beams. <laughs> Seams shoulder beams. sizes. Yeah. Actually, hers weren't as big as Kate's, I must say. Actually, no, Kate's have got They were huge shoulders. in the first scene. She, yeah, she really has. She's got a big sort of 1940s ones. Crazy. Yeah. But again, that fits with the character. She very much dresses like she's still in the 1940s, which I think is charming. And be um, wary of propositions after the sun goes down. <laughs> oh, God, I love her so much. So, yeah, so next we're off to Kate's. And there's a value at Kate's house from Sotheby's, although she's free she goes on to explain and then goes into quite a lot of detail about how her job works because clearly the writer did their research and then wanted to just put that in the script like word I for think word. it's a note it's like when you write something brilliant and subtle and it's all there and everyone yeah. will get it yeah. and then the thicko up the chain doesn't could you explain this please <laughs> and yeah. goes well I think no I think you know it needs to be explained it's not that I'm stupid it's just that it's the equivalent of um when you're writing a treatment, for example, having to put what you've already written just in bold, and they go, there, you see, that's oh. made the difference. Oh, God. That's Never underestimate done. your audience. Howard's Way doesn't often do that. And, you know, they we're all clever enough to work this out. It's fine. But anyway, Kate has got a painting of a racehorse. Well, I wouldn't have guessed she was freelance. And not- <laughs> I hadn't been told. I, I didn't think it was that important, but maybe somebody <laughs> who works in au- the auction business would, uh, you know, was going to write in and, and criticise them. So she's valuing this very nice painting of a racehorse that Kate rather loves, and it was given to her by her late husband. But she realises it's probably worth a bit of money, and she needs money now because her racehorse can't race for a year, which means her investment in the racehorse now is fucked because she put a big bet on him last episode, and that was made very clear at the time. Again, slightly overexplained that if the horse didn't run for any reason um, she wouldn't get her money back and also obviously you know all the investment she's made in the horse wouldn't pay off well I blame Howard's way for my own family financial disasters because well, yes, my dad said. had a horse he had a horse and a boat neither of which were really <laughs> they were teachers in Lancashire defect. in the past <laughs> her, um, and he, he started as a share in a horse that then just turned into well, that's what she has horse. she has a leg she says <laughs> did, did, did he own a leg no he ended up having the whole thing wow and then you know it's glue yeah, well, burgers unfortunately. Now. Oh dear. But the whole thing was a complete disaster, you see. Oh All that speculation and nonsense. Do you think he watched aspirational dramas on television and thought yes. that's what he should be doing? Yes. <gasps> like a direct effect. Yes. Are you serious? You know, it's like, well, you know, that and sort of being depressed and well, yes. uh, all of those Wanting things. Wanting to but... escape boring things. Yeah, but all of that, you know, aspiration, mm. as you say, of the 80s and through status symbols. I mean, it was in the game of life as well. That was yeah. an 80s game where oh, you God. have to sort of get a yacht and you have to get it's all of really this. It's a really boring game, I quite liked it. Did you? Oh, well, I, I liked so the sort dull. of... The little cars where you put pegs in. Yeah. You'd have you two, to... two blue pegs in the back of your car now. I would, wouldn't I? But I don't think you could have two pink pegs in the oh, front, could you? No, you couldn't, no. Um, another call out. I'm totally ready to be consultant on making a new form of the game of life, okay. which is all sort of, you know, non-binary and gender neutral. Well, that and, is about bloody time. And has all sorts of alternative artisan careers. Nice. I like you it. You heard it here first. A artisan coffee roaster. Yeah. Um, someone Millennial who makes... version. Yeah, okay. Uh, there's a lot of beekeepers where I live. I'm like mill- millennial sort of city-dwelling beekeepers. Oh, That's a, a beekeeper big thing now. Once. They're interesting people, aren't they? Spend their lives under those funny hats. Yes, so the painting is being valued. Then we shoot over to the nature reserve where Leo is talking to your friend, the reporter, and they spy a man in a navy blue saloon 
who appears to be watching them, not very subtly, literally just sitting there staring at them. Either he's, he's intimidating them. Yeah, either he's early for dogging or he's watching them. And the reporter notes down the uh, licence plate and says he's got a mate in the police who's going to find out who he is. Um, and then we go to the town hall. It's night time. Mm. I love night shoots on Howard's Way. And the woman from the council is sneaking into an office that clearly is not her own. She sneaks in and she rifles through the desk and she finds a checkbook and copies down the details to the sounds of sort of intrigue synth yes. in the background. And then... This this should have been a bigger moment, I think, slightly, because we knew that Lynn had disappeared off radar, the radio signal had gone, the barracudas, no trace of it since the bad weather. And then, obviously, the other characters don't know what's happened to her. And this is how we find out she's oh, OK. Yes. We cut to the sea, barracuda, the waters are calmer again. Last episode, the waters were like, I mean, my God, 50-foot waves. It was bloody terrifying. And Lynn is bedraggled, but sort of keeping carrying on, and she's trying to raise a signal on the radio. And she says, you know, what is it? Tango, whiskey, blah, lima, foxtrot. Yeah. So many times, and then we cut back to her again, more or less the same scene. Yes. And I was like, oh, God, is Lynn going to get any other lines this episode? This is awful. But oh, she gave, boy, does she. Well, yes. Come on, Porter's head. I know, but also, in any other drama, you would have that resolution really quickly. I like the fact that you get to see her despair as you keep coming back to her. And it's like there's scenes in the last episode where she's doing her I'm at sea talking to herself diary, like the full Ellen MacArthur thing. And it's just relentless. <laughs> and you just think, oh, God, this is properly conveying how bloody awful it is to be on your own at sea for like a month going crackers so I like the fact that they stretch that out a bit because it really brings it home just how lonely and awful it is and it was a damn stupid thing to do it was a damn stupid thing to do what was she thinking so the reporter is uh, continuing his investigations he's a proper hack yeah. later on he breaks in somewhere it's brilliant he just doesn't care it's very easy he just, the stuff he does just yeah. a quick phone call to a trusting bank well yeah but then he's manager. then he's like didn't he commits fraud to get bank statements sent to him yes like, that's he's what a, I mean but it's yeah. so easy well it is easy back in the day not now so we go back to the Urquhart's house then there's light opera playing I've put I couldn't identify the composer and then Abby arrives home mm. uh, she comes home from a hard day protesting Orin is pleased to see her and yes he gets tries to be a bit romantic with the was it the uh, program from an exhibition they'd been to together yeah and he's written I gave you this the first time we met to this great gal Yes, exactly. Like, mm, yeah, no regrets. <laughs> She's just not that into him. But then, yeah, dang, dang, dang. Well, what, what he next? says? Well, he goes, "Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention." Oh, that's right. Just a few days up. ago. <laughs> yes, a several few days, days ago, ago. I mean, this, this guy is... came and he said he was going to take it, and she's like, "Hmm, that's odd." Uh, no, no, no. She says, "That's funny." Yeah. He, says, and he said, "You might, he might have to take William into care." That's funny. She replies, "Like that's funny." Because she never made an application. Well, there's that. But, you know, I think my first thought would be, who's going to take my baby into what? Well, I know. I mean... It's odd, isn't it? Yes, it's a bit strange. Yes, I don't so, know what happens next, but my instinct was... I can't remember. Has he arranged this, to, you know, shock and awe oh, campaign? maybe. Is he behind it? Well, I don't know. So his family back mm. in America get quite heavy-handed in the end, don't they? Because they want the son and heir, That's what basically. I mean. So mm. is so it they're might behind be a it, I think. Possibly. And that's why he's like, oh, I forgot to mention several days ago oh. that this thing happened. Mm. I don't know. Yes, it could be. But I that's all we hear of it this episode. Out. That's it. You don't She's get not any. that bothered. Yeah. This will be this will be played out later in the series, presumably not that much later. Um, but yeah, she doesn't seem unduly concerned. But then, like I said, she doesn't spend a lot of time with her kids. She's just off doing stuff. She's not working. She's just protesting. I mean, maybe she sees that as a job. I don't know. Over at the Howard's house, Jan has nodded off in front of the TV, but obviously everyone is sort of trying to stay awake near the phone for Lynn's return. And then Leo arrives home. 
Now, this is an interesting scene. So Jan is explaining to Leo how her plans for the boutique are being held up because Mm -hmm. Ken can't get on with his plans, so he doesn't know how much money he's got to spend, and suggests to Leo if he just, you know... I mean, she she already said to Ken, look, he's not going to back down because I tell him to, but she's clearly giving it a go because she's really getting frustrated about Mm -hmm. her financial situation. So she kind of suggests to Leo that he might like to back off, and, of course, he's not really interested in that. And then Leo uses his amazing detective skills to find out which bank Ken's with because he wants to help the reporter investigate essentially um, well this is how he gets the name of the bank so the reporter mm. then goes and orders a bank statement what did you find interesting about this scene? They kiss on the lips mm. what Jan and Leo? Yes what are you suggesting? Well I don't know but I was shocked <laughs> he goes oh I need a reference for bank accounts oh I'd like a reference to get a bank That's account right. or maybe I should ask Ken and then she goes, oh, they've got the same bank. Because yeah. how many high street banks are there in Tarrant? Well, not that many, I'd have thought, no. Certainly not for the art department to mock up a range. <laughs> yeah, man's bank, man's <laughs> bank. Of different things. But yeah, and then he goes, oh, right, now he's pleased he's got the information. And then he kisses her goodnight or whatever. And I swear, <gasps> I mean, write in if I'm wrong, Ooh. but he kisses her on the lips. And I'm like, hang on, this is all... Because he's sort of... The look that he's trying to give is like, ha-ha, I've got information now, thanks. Are you saying it comes across as something more lusty? Yes. Ooh! <laughs> I urge you to re-watch that I moment. I did not just get go, that from that scene. Wow. Because again, how old is Eddie Highmore at this point? His age is irrelevant. They're mother and son, you sicko. No, but in real life, in real life... Do you think he just can't hide his well, lust I don't for the know. beautiful Jan so, Harvey? Well, who could? And no there was one. a bit of a sort of uh, frisson, I thought. Crikey. I don't know. I was like, what the hell happened there? Jesus. There's some kind of, yeah, some Greek shit going on where he wants to... Yes sleep with his mother and kill Ken okay well I mean that's a new reading of Howard's Way I simply hadn't imposed on it but well I'm interested to see if any of that resurfaces later in the episode as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Back 
to see. Lynn is continuing to try the radio. And even she's getting fed up at this point. She says, where the hell is everybody? <laughs> it's like, you're the one who's actually somewhere. She's out in the middle of the sea. No one knows where she is. Clearly, the frustration is mounting. Back at the, uh, his office, the reporter is masquerading on the phone as Ken Masters and then the mysterious Stephen Moffat to obtain duplicate bank statements mm. so he can have a look at their paper trail of money and see all you need to do is phone up with a sort of broad church accent hello <laughs> <laughs> and say i've recently moved a dress so could you send me a duplicate <laughs> that's right and you get one just like that indeed indeed but he didn't give his new address or did he just give the the newspaper's address that's i think what he I gave because he gave an address in southampton which i think is probably where i'd imagine any local newspaper is probably based in southampton yeah you'd on... have to for all the printing um lo- local newspapers all but dead now of course and so he would be out of a job but anyway so he continues his investigation back at the tracking station presumably oh no 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 we're not in Portishead are we sorry then we go to the shed of a man called Brian who we've not met before this is really exciting I love this bit so there's a ginger man with a big beard oh, called Brian yes. who it no, turns is he an out actor? he is uh, he is an actor I believe <laughs> I don't think he'd be allowed to speak on camera if he wasn't equity is that no, correct? No I just yeah well <laughs> I just wondered whether he was in I didn't was he a local radio person or a genuine because you know those CB people they're quite a community aren't they? <laughs> I, I didn't get the impression he was a genuine CB enthusiast but that was a big thing back then because I remember I think my, my brother ended up getting my like a little transistor well. or whatever it was and ended up trying to talk to people yes. and it was sort of the early internet because suddenly voices of strangers yeah. would just appear well, out like, of Truckers and things. Yeah, usually was truckers. I mean, presumably, because my brother was older though by that point, he's quite a bit older than me, but um, I remember it happening and just thinking, what weirdos are you just giving information out to? I know, and now the internet, we're all doing it. Yeah, Um, you can leave a trail, you're (laughs) a fool. I know, but Brian is just minding his own business, just chatting away to the ether, no one's answering back, and suddenly his radio crackles into life and it's Lynn Howard of the Barracuda. And it just so happens he's got the news story folded open at that Page, just <laughs> to his, his left desk. saying hopes you know diminish for Lynn or whatever I know but she's headline news internationally well clearly nationally anyway well it would be quite a big deal I mean it would be a solo yachtswoman from the UK she stole I the mean, boat Alan MacArthur went on and on about <laughs> it <laughs> I mean come on I think it's quite hard to sail the Atlantic on your own that's fair, fair enough and it turns out he's in Lindhurst, the New Forest, which I know quite well. Always drives. Oh, it's through a really nice place, isn't Beautiful. it? Beautiful, yes, lovely. But it does mean as well, crucially, it's not too far for Jan and Tom to drive to go and chat to Lynn on the, on his radio. So anyway, we cut to the nature reserve and a motorbike. I assumed this was Leo at first because he's a biker and he has a leather jacket, you know. Yeah, but who's that guy? Who's that guy? In fact, I wish I'd taken note of the music here because I imagine Simon May gave him some kind of swaggery, groovy anthem as it he arrived. It wasn't that good. Didn't it's he like, a... don't put... Understated frame, basically. Maybe the way they went with this. He can't have his own theme because he's not a major character, but they, he they should have been made a major character. I mean, <laughs> now he, he was... had all the good looks and the charisma. I saw a production of Macbeth. <laughs> um, and I'm going to say probably early 90s. Yeah, yeah. Just starting secondary school. And it came to Preston Charter Theatre or Blackpool, not mm-hmm, sure which. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it starred, and I might be confusing some productions This here, guy on the motorbike? No. <laughs> Rula Lenska as oh, Lady Macbeth. Whoa. Paul, somebody from Blake Seven as Macbeth. Paul Darrow. That's right. Rula Lenska and Paul Darrow, are you well, kidding me? Well, I think so. <gasps> um, but it might be casting. two productions I'm, I'm blending into one, but definitely oh, Blake Seven. Oh, I don't Seven. care. I, w- I want it to be that. And that guy, oh. yeah. 
absolutely was mm. was in that production. Hello, really? Well, Just somebody like him. Something in terms of their performance style. Nice. Let's say. Well, anyway, so we, we must reveal who this person is. So he's called Morgan Griffiths. We know that he has a business card. Yeah. He's from Earthguard. Which, yeah, so Earthguard is like a very impressive... Greenpeace, isn't They're it? They're a shadowy organisation. They have limitless funds. They can provide catering at a moment's notice. And he just says, do you want me to get copies of these, what they call The placards. placards. Yeah. And he can have that done and he'll have it couriered down. It it's doesn't seem very fingers. green, if you he ask t- me. I, well, I know. I mean, what about the carbon footprint? He's gorgeous. I've just been, he's gorgeous. He's very cool. He's charismatic. He just sort of arrives as if from heaven and then disappears back into the thicket with a, without so much as a buy your leave. But he offers them all this help, leaves his business card. And and it, he just is a mysterious figure. And generally. he drives off. Is he genuine? Is the question on all of our lips. I don't lips. know. But I put here, he disappears. He rides off like Street Hawk. Well, yeah, to me, Hawk? Was like, yes, yeah. to me, he was like, yes, but to me, he was like Grease 2. Oh, yeah. Cool rider. Well, yeah, but no, mm. but who's the guy? The one on the cycle. Oh, what yeah. Would they say who's that they guy? knew it was Michael. <laughs> Yeah. Can we change that to if they knew it was Morgan? Um, anyway, so he's being. Well, who's that guy? The one with the organ. <laughs> in his Levi's, in his tight Levi's. He is. I mean, no offence to the rest of the cast. They're all very sexy people, but he's the best looking person. I think Abby was interested, wasn't she? I, I would be if I was her. Cool. Mm. Like all the men in Abby's life were a little bit sort of, what's the word? Ineffectual, a little mm. bit sort of unmotivated, a little bit floppy head. This guy just like, he looks like he knows what he's doing. And he cares about the earth or does he? Well, he appears to care about the earth, although he prints business cards willy nilly and doesn't like mind that. cutting down a few trees. It becomes apparent here as well that Abby is totally unconcerned by the fact that she just isn't spending any time at all with her new baby. Dude, she's even been told it's going to be taken <laughs> away. She's like, oh, well, I've got other things to do. My God. I know. And then we go to the boatyard where Avril is encouraging Tom to eat something he can't. He's just so nervous about Lynn. And then the phone rings and it's Jan telling Tom that this CB guy has been in touch and Lynn is okay and he's really, really happy. I mean, and he, and he can't hide it. But rather stupidly, he also says... He wants Avril to come. Yes, to he wants her to be there. Which I just think was again. Well, there's a nice hotel, isn't there? <laughs> there's several nice hotels. Mm. Oh, it's lovely. It's a nice one with a spa there. Yes, um, it is always booked. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, annoying for me. Oh, Maybe it's just me. <laughs> you again? No mm. way. <laughs> We've heard about you. It's it's a very odd decision for Tom to make, but again, a very Tom decision for Tom to make. He's always a little bit thick-skinned about. His marriage, the, even even now it's a crumbling edifice of a marriage. He just isn't very sensitive when it comes to Jan. He doesn't really think about what she'll want. Avril thinks it's a bad idea. Has. No, he never has. So he can't start now. It's too late now. But anyway, he invites his girlfriend along to this very emotional family sort of virtual reunion with the with their daughter on the CB radio. And then we cut to Kent, who is in his car calling the police on the protesters trying to get them moved on. But he, um, this is the first time we've seen him with a car phone because mm. Charles has had a car phone obviously from day one I'm imagining this is something that Ken once he got the 1.6 million pounds went fuck it I'm going to have a car phone I should have a car phone I'm important so yes yeah, so he's calling the police trying to get them moved on the police won't come out he mutters something about just wait till you've got a new police constable presumably trying to mm. sound like he has friends in high places and then he calls someone called Vince now Vince can be up to no good because I mean he's called Vince number one that's always a baddie's name in 80s television and no 
Because wasn't he called in Just Good Friends? He was Vince, wasn't he? Yeah, but wasn't he a bit of a bad boy, though? Oh, come on. He's lovely. a bit of, I mean, he was lovely, but he was a bit of a one. Oh, I love them He's both. He's the one your mother would have said, oh, no, not him. Well, she did, but Jan Francis couldn't, you exactly. know. Exactly. But I'm just saying Vince usually says, to some extent, wrong on, on 80s television. It wasn't Vincent, I suppose, as a name. that the, the Beauty and the Beast. Do you remember what oh, Beauty and the Beast I used to be obsessed with? It was the woman from The Terminator, Linda Thingamibob, and Ron Perlman as the Beast. And oh. Roy Detrice as his dad or his, 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 you know, keeper or whatever. Mm. Oh, my God, I love that. He was called Vincent. So after that, I, I became quite enamoured of the name Vincent and thought it was quite a romantic name for I like the name. I've got a friend called Vinny. Yeah, no, I like it now. This Vince is a shit, as we find out later, because Vince is clearly someone who has evil intent. Then we go to, I just put here, Brian. Normally I put the location down in a box on my notes. This is just Brian. Brian is the location. He's the place to be. Um, Jan is there oh, in yes. a gold sweater, shimmering. I think she does this very well. She does it brilliantly, because it's such a mum conversation, isn't it? A phone conversation yeah. across a crackling line. It's so And also, mum. when she says, Dad's here as well. Yeah. In that way that and they she don't doesn't, have... doesn't know how to work the radio, so you've got to press this button here. Yeah. Which, again, acting note here, mm-hmm. you know, studying it. She does that really well. When they then do it with Tom having the same mistake, I'm like, yeah. no, no, no. Is he not convincing you? Well, I'm just like, it's like he's been told to sort of fumble about. And I'm like, we've seen that now. Just yeah, and also he would know how to use a radio because he does talk shit exactly. to quite a lot. So, I, yeah, not quite as convincing. I think he was jealous that Jan had managed to do yeah, some I, sort of I want quite some good business. natural <laughs> yeah. acting. And then he was trying to copy it. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Uh, it becomes apparent Lynn is 150 miles off the coast of Rhode Island. And then I just really like Jan's sign-off. She says, love you lots, bye. Yeah, like, his such dad. Such a lovely mum. Yeah, his dad yeah. is so lovely and mum. And there are kind of romantic strings in this scene because the atmosphere between Tom and Jan obviously has now changed. The immediate peril is over. Jan apologises, you never should have doubted the boat. And the two of them come to this sort of quite nice place, which obviously Avril has to be there to see so that she can feel crestfallen. And the local radio ham, Brian says, you know, my wife thinks that this is sort of crazy business, but, you know, really, this is what it's all about, isn't it? Bringing a family together. And Avril gives her evils. I mean, her fa- Avril's face says everything. She just looks kind of like she's been kicked in the nuts, even though she hasn't got nuts. Yeah, she looks extremely put out by this. And uh, Jan and Tom are just sort of smiling at each other. And, you know, it is definitely not a moment. She feels so intruding into their family moment. Mm. It's another wedge driven between Avril and Tom, I think. And then we go back to your friend, the reporter. It's night time. God, he's all got a lot to do in this scene. Bill. I mean, there's, I know, I know. Now, is he breaking in or is this <coughs> an address that he has access to? <clears throat> and that's know. why he got the bank statement sent there. Either way, he's skulking around a property at night. He opens this door, finds these two envelopes on the doormat, opens the statements, the bank statements, and it's one of Ken Masters' bank statements and one of Stephen Moffat's bank statements. And both of them have the in and out of £2,000. And one of them has royalties for press gang. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Do you know, I interviewed him and I said, is there any chance you'll bring press gang back? And he just, he didn't say no. So, you know, that's as good as a wink, isn't it? Yeah. I just, I'd really like to know what they're doing now. You know, Dexter Fletcher's been between directing jobs. He's not that busy. And Julia Sawala's, I mean, come on, just get it together. Anyway, so he basically then has, as far as he sees it, the proof mm. that Masters and Moffat, well, it's a nice ring to it, Masters and Moffat, are up are in to no good. Yeah, they're certainly handing over large sums of cash um, and, and there's no obvious yeah, reason Yeah, because £2,000 back 30 years ago That's is going to buy you a house. I mean, probably <laughs> pretty much, yeah, almost certainly. Over at the Howard's house, Jan and Claude are discussing. Oh, yeah. Obviously, she's extremely excited and happy. Lynn, the timeline now suddenly speeds up. So yes. 
can't even tell what day this is anymore. Lynn's been at sea for a month. Lynn says she was going to be in Newfoundland or in New York. In a couple York of days. In a few days, a couple of days. So she was 150 miles. That's right. She said a few, I think she said a few days. 50 but miles maybe, a day, is that it? Mm, apparently. Boat? I mean, who knows with the sea? It's, it's a cruel oh, mistress. The sea, yeah. But then suddenly everything speeds up. Jan and Claude are discussing how they've got a big meeting with the Italian buyers, but... Lynn is going to be in New York tomorrow. And she just can't bear the thought that neither mummy or daddy were going to be there. I know. But obviously this is just a bit of slightly clumsy wrangling of the plot because what they need is Claude to be in New York mm, for the next rat thing tail. to happen. Exactly. Oh, God, I, I just regret that so much. Everything about him is so perfect until he turns in profile. And it's like, oh, my oh, God. It's dreadful. Unless you're playing Jean Valjean, that goes now. Yeah. <laughs> like, get rid of it. It's horrific. <laughs> They clumsily work out, even though this really doesn't make any sense. Jan needs to be at the meeting because she has to talk about the business. Uh, yeah, they don't need to meet him. Exactly. They, they have seen her. my designs. They need to talk to you about the business. So he realises he's the disposable one here. So he offers to go to New York to pick up Lynn yeah. himself and be her chaperone. Yes. Whatever. Like, clearly he's seen a picture of her in the house and gone, yes, please. I'll go and pick <laughs> her up. And who can blame him? Uh, it's like Jan, but a child. <laughs> yeah. And he established early on that he and Jan didn't have any. I mean, they have flirty chemistry, but they never went there. No, it's business, though, isn't it? It's entirely professional. He doesn't see her that way and vice She's, versa. She likes a man's man, though. She does. He's probably a bit effeminist and yeah. sort of arty for her. Well, he did live in Greenwich Village, as we discovered. Well, yes, that restaurant is not in Greenwich Village. <laughs> I've never been to New York, but that does not look yeah. like anything um, I've seen no, of Greenwich it's Village. It's sort of in Pebble Mill, isn't it? I think it might be, yes. It's the, it's the BBC's brasserie. <laughs> We often say it's the Pebble Mill Canteen, yeah, just dressed up exactly. or down, depending on. Anyway, so, yeah, so they decide that Claude will go to New York and, uh, and and everyone seems happy with that. Jan's worried that, you know, what will Lynn think if neither of her parents are there? But actually, he convinces her he's going to make it lovely for her. And indeed, he does. <laughs> then we cut to Kate, who's on the phone, and she clearly is also receiving the news that Lynn's OK. She's terribly proud of her granddaughter. And then, and this is, and Jack's still there. It looks like he's just been there waiting with her all day. And he's suggesting a trip to Goodwood. Yes. To the gambling addict who's now 18 grand in the hole. He's like, why don't you come horse racing with me? That's not a great idea. But also this plot, though, I was like, oh, we don't need this, this episode. No, no. It was like you have to sort of just park it for a bit. I sort of felt that this again was a note from on high going. And, you know, let's not forget, we must continue. Everything's got to move forward. I know, I know. It's like, no, we know they're not dead. Like, come on. And I have a feeling whoever the exec was on this was probably more of a horseman than he was a yachting man, because... When Howard's Way finally did bow out, it was immediately replaced by Gerald Glaser's next oh, yeah. show, Trainer, yeah. which is horses, horses, horses. I, I have to say, I didn't find that well, one like quite I so say, engaging. That Your was dad my inheritance. Liked it. Yes, That's everything <laughs> buggered. Family house to the bank, everything. You think I'm joking? I, yeah. I'm not listening. No, no, I know. I mean, I, I don't <sighs> like horse racing because it's boring, but you have an entirely other reason for not I'm also it very sort much. of, but near fatally allergic to horses. Oh like, well, yeah. That's probably like not really bad. Had to go to hospital, have an injection. The work horses are bastards. Yeah, awful. <laughs> Hate them. Sorry, people who like horses. Um, anyway, so that yes, this and this is where the lovely line about the propositions made after the sun goes oh, down. Yeah. So in the daytime, she's anyone's. <laughs> When she can see what she's dealing with. <laughs> yeah. But in the dark, generally say no. Generally say no. It's a good rule for life. It's well, an excellent rule for life. Well, I guess in the fun. blackout, bad things happen, didn't it? In the blitz. Now, I don't want to hurry you, but I really want us to get to the next yes, scene. Yes, I'm ready. It's the most fun bit of the episode. I'm going to say, I'm going to put my cards on the table and say, I don't believe this is really New York. <laughs> <laughs> this was, they used a lot of library footage but in this episode. But it was brilliantly done, though. I mean, a bit heavy-handed with the whole, you know, GVs of yellow taxis and walk-don't-walk signs, but... No, it but that was all library footage, and then they've just yeah. got 
to the south coast. And then this is, I mean, you it's can sunny, imagine the, the casting breakdown for this and a few other parts of like, <laughs> any American accent's fine. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we're having, I mean, I'm not just sound, I'm, just sound <clears throat> pushy and confident and a bit yeah. Yankee doodle dandy. And <laughs> That's all we fine. need. Yeah. So. And she's like, guys, <laughs> I'm really tired, okay? <laughs> I just sailed around the world. <laughs> She's so posh and accommodating. I love her. So Lynn triumphantly arrives in some unnamed harbour in, I don't know, New York. She arrives in Central Park on yes. a boat. <laughs> Essentially like that scene in Romancing the Stone. Um, yeah, so she arrives on her on, on the boat. Um, a small sort of armada of boats comes out to meet her. So some guys jump aboard and help bring her into harbour and tie up the boat. And then, yes, this press scrum ensues. And they're firing questions at her. You're headline news, kid. Globally famous around the world for sailing solo across the Atlantic. And she says, Give me a chance, give me a chance. I only just got here. And they're offering her limos and hotels and. Bob's well, one guy and, is. He says, yeah. get your exclusive story. You know, we got the limo, we got a hotel, all expenses paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's like, oh, all right. Clearly, that must have included a new wardrobe, judging by what she turns out wearing later. And indeed, no, she brought that with her. Home, did she? She packed like really fashionable, gallabout town New York garments mm. and a giant clutch bag just in case. <laughs> <laughs> but that is what you have in your, you know, I suppose case. So. Yeah, yeah. She, she packed well, but I think she also shopped a bit. I'm well, going to say the TV company maybe brought her some nice clothes. I'm th- I think that was all part of the deal. So she is about to sort of cave under the weight of all this exhaustion, not having slept for a month. And then Claude, Claude, sorry, I always say his name correctly, mm. Claude, uh, emerges out of the throng, brandishing a bottle of champagne and two glasses and says, compliments of your mother and father. They're very proud of you. And then he pops his cork. Uh, and much to her delight and I love the scene so she's wearing sunglasses go on describe the moment well look it's just a classic moment where she where she pulls a sort of I'd call it you know the Nescafe girl blend face yes yes that's it does this special face where it's like (laughs) she tilts her head to the side even though a month looks like oh (laughs) she she lowers she clocks Claude lowers it's a really good bit of sunglasses acting the sunglasses come off and it is the full head tilt like oh man alive yeah but I'm smiling if she had a fan she'd be fluttering yeah exactly and I just put under it it said um, uh, she simpers at Claude brackets she must stink (laughs) (laughs) it's like she's flirting with him she's been at sea for a month she must absolutely reek yeah I mean she must smell of soul and like fish God knows what I mean she probably has a, a shower on Barracuda I don't know if you'd be asked would you a month at sea after a while you'd if just you stop if you packed all of that stuff though and you're <laughs> going to New York say <laughs> so she gives herself like weekly pedicures and facials and maybe maybe that's why you know she, she got lost she looked immaculate I must say so her arrival in New York is, you know, a huge she's the toast of the relief. Town. She's she's the toast, the talk of the town, the dust yeah. of the town. I love it. It's so brilliantly eighties, and it's just delightful. She's swept off her feet almost literally by Claude. And it's jazzy theme, isn't it? Do, 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 That's do, right. Do, do, so now do, do, Simon do, do, May do, do. gets to do his New York, New York. Yeah several times during this episode to really underline the fact that we are in America. Mm. It's like old, classy, old sort of well, it's Hollywood just some version of New York. That somebody's edited together. Totally. But it's done really nicely. It really makes you feel... When I saw it, I definitely thought... I mean, I was 11, but I was like, this is absolutely what America's like. How amazing. Like, that was New York to me. It probably still is in my head now. Yeah, I mean, and you get ideas what I of, what, of yes. what things look like in your head, probably from telly. Completely. And they stay. So if you ever, I've never been to New York. If, you ever, if, neither, I, if no. I go to the real place, I'll be expecting that or yes. I won't be happy. Yeah, I want a press to... pack, people like demanding <laughs> to know how my crossing and was. And a stranger turning up saying, your mum and dad have sent me and falling for that old chestnut. Yeah, yeah. Again, your mum and dad thing. have sent you a piece of French beef. <laughs> how do you like it done? <laughs> He's just so handsome. I've got such a soft spot for Claude. 
So we leave them in New York, falling in love. And we go back to the yard where Tom and Avril, in a mirror of the cork popping in the last scene, are popping their own corks to celebrate the Barracuda, making it across the Atlantic in one piece. And they do the champagne acting that is absolutely essential. Lynn forgot to do it. They don't forget to do it. They pour the champagne. They both take a drink and they both go, mmm. And then they <laughs> top each other up immediately yes, when yes, the glass yes. is still full. <laughs> And Avril tries to demure that she doesn't want any more, but then she has some. She's feeling a bit insecure about their relationship because of what's going on with Jan and the family. And she says something slightly passive-aggressively about it being nice to be needed. Oh, yeah. Um, She's clearly feeling insecure and a bit left out. And he sort of picks up on it, but not really, because, you know, he's not that sensitive. And then we cut to my favourite vehicle that's not a boat in Howard's Way, the Morris Traveller belonging to Kate, which I think Jack is driving in this scene. They are, and they're off to the races, and he's going to give her some money if he picks an accumulator. Yes. But again, at this time, I was like, oh, not interested in this. Not really that interested in the gambling side of things. But he's basically trying to be a good friend. She's helped him out of a hole. She's helped him, you know, get off the booze and things. Yeah. And he really wants to help her now. So he's trying to persuade... He basically just wants to give her money, but she's too proud to accept that. So he's going to try and pretend that through her expertise with the gambling, he will win money with her and share it with her. Yeah. Um, Anyway, back in New York, I'm saying that with quotation marks Back at Pebble Mills, Brasserie. Yeah. There's an aerial shot of the Brooklyn Bridge. So clearly, yes, brilliant library footage buying there. And Simon May's New York, New York version, theme, version of... Uh, is playing throughout. It's just really seductive and cool. And then Lynn comes down the stairs of this big skyscraper and they shoot it very cleverly the, with the angle. So they shoot up as she's coming down the stairs and above her you can see the um, the YNBC logo. So that's the network that brought her. Oh, right, right, okay, yes. And then some, some American flags and some network flags and it kind of just all just about looks right. So the art department do a very, very good job here. We're short of actually going to New York. They make it pretty convincing. <laughs> and Lynn comes down the stairs and Claude is waiting for her. She's carrying the world's largest clutch bag and Claude effortlessly calls a taxi. So he's a New York old hand. Well, he used he to knows, live there. He used to live there. But, but, he, but says, t- he couldn't... What was it they say about the fashion? He's like, yes, I studied here. Oh, you studied here? And he's like, I learned that they could not teach me anything. Yeah, a bit of a big head. What are you saying? You didn't learn anything in New York. I know. I learned where to eat. <laughs> yes, but he says that he was essentially an art student in New York. So, you know, where's his money coming from and he lived in he he hung out in Greenwich Village and then well he takes her to a restaurant he says it's a little place he knows from when he used to live there um no it's not a little place a little place in Greenwich Village in my head is like a little kind of hole in the wall kind of romantic candles on the tables yeah no 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 no. this place doesn't fit that bill at all anyway we'll skip over this quickly because I know you hate this as much as I do but quickly back to the races they've got binoculars Scarlet Runner wins they're 11 grand da 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 11 grand again you could really buy a house I know you really could so the accumulator is paying off magically and um, they're on a roll and Kate's delighted and Jack's delighted for her and back in New York (laughs) this is where the stock footage gets a bit out of control Macy's Tiffany broke off Goodman <laughs> like all of and the shops. She's been to a lot of posh shops, but when she, she reveals in the bar, which also, by the way, looks like it's the sort of um, <laughs> premier in hotel does, bar, again with an actor, bless him, who is not. He's American. incredible, and you only see yeah, him the in the mirror. Of the town, New York. Oh my god, it's so funny. Hey, no, it's on the house. Have a mai tai. I got a daughter who likes it just like this. <laughs> no, he's brilliantly awful. But this guy sounds like he's straight out of it. So he's a barman. He comes to the table. You only see him in the mirror but anyway so Lynn is uh, she arrives in the hotel bar with many many bags uh, but nothing good she she bought things for everybody fun things including an outrageous necklace (laughs) she bought she bought her mum the fashionista 
a, a T-shirt saying I heart NY or something. No, I heart the, the big apple. Big apple, enormous T-shirt, and then a shit necklace. Yeah, but I'd wear that T-shirt in bed. That would be one yeah. Of my her mum would probably wear it in bed, but you know, but a necklace that's really rubbish. And he goes, <laughs> outrageous, <laughs> <laughs> outrageous, or just shit. And she you hasn't decide. been to Macy's. She's basically been no. to a tourist tat shop around the edge of Times Square. <laughs> yeah, exactly like the ones Leicester Square. It's just not nice stuff. I'd be really offended if I was a member of her family. Yes, the barman arrives. He brings her. She asks for something long and cool and he brings her Bacardi club soda and pineapple juice and she it's says time, oh it's fantastic is that what it is is that I a my time? time oh I, no, don't know. I don't know and he says to her you'll desire debt drink yeah. <laughs> in the most important oh, I mean, it's even on worse the than house. my accent yeah yeah, yeah exactly <clears throat> and Lynn's delighted and then she basically checks in a slightly roundabout way whether Claude and her mum are shagging oh yes she uses jealous envious no jealous well I just wanted to know and she does yeah. more Nescafe acting yeah clearly by now she's decided she well, wants his Nescafe down and then looks up. Massive. Oh my god, like, the way you just did that was like insane. <laughs> so I wish I could have taken a video of that. But yes, it was very, very obvious that she's now finding him attractive. There's no question about that. It's all moving quite fast with these two. And she just wants to, it's quite a weird thing to have to check. Like, just before I, I dive in there and, you know, give you a snog, are you doing it with my mum? Okay, yeah. excellent. Let's go. Bit weird. Anyway, back at the newspaper office, the editor is telling your friend, the reporter. Oh, yeah. Um, that even though he's got bank statements and stuff, there's no proof what the money was for. So these, these large amounts of money moving between their accounts, they can't prove anything yet. He needs more proof. So he's not going to run it. And then back in New York, Lynn is dining with Claude in the little place he knows in Greenwich Village. Okay, so this restaurant has got like floor to ceiling windows with yeah. views of the Empire State Building. Overlooking the Twin Towers. It's really much. like 80s swank. It's really posh, expensive. It's not a little place in Greenwich Village. It's They've Trump got Tower, that one. pretty much. It probably is actual Trump Tower. Footage of Trump Tower. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I, yes, I, and also a place you used to eat as a student. No. No, it was a, just an incredibly wealthy-looking place. And I mean, awful. nice design and everything, but wrong. Mm, just totally I wrong. I bet the food was rubbish. Probably. It was probably Nouvelle Cuisine, wasn't it? That was a thing in the 80s, wasn't was it? Was it in New York, though? Oh, I don't know. Meanwhile, back at the Nature Reserve, the reporters arrive to report back to Leo and the gang, and he tells them that the guy in the Navy saloon who's been spying on them is, in fact, a private detective. Oh, yes. Um, we don't know who's employed him. We can assume it's Charles Freer, possibly. And then, oh, the way this episode ends is just kapow. So then a van arrives, a rather loud radio, which usually tells you that it's full of ne'er-do-wells. <laughs> and they arrive, they screech to a halt, and a bunch of blokes get out. Um, they look like they might be football fans. And they tell Leo, he's out of order, and they're local dole scum who want the protesters to move on because the new development will bring lots of work yes. to the area. They're, they're really just for employment. They're not really thugs at all. Uh, Leo, obviously, almost inaudibly at this because his voice gets quieter the more sort of dramatic things get uh, he almost inaudibly mutters this is a peaceful protest this is a peaceful protest and the the head thug says not now it ain't pal and then an audacious move he punches as if to punch Leo and then we suddenly go POV we're Leo's face he punches us he punches the camera goes to blackout I loved brilliant. it it was just a brilliant that director movie. was really chuffed with that having themselves a time yeah. but that's when you need it and I have to, every every episode of series two this is going to be a problem that's when you need the da 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 yes. tune and you get Marty Webb no, and it's why? too low energy for the whole of series two why they, do they do that they it's such decided, a mistake presumably they released it as a single and decided they needed it to be every Sunday to you know whatever but it was it was a mistake it was only one series I think they go yeah, back to Barracuda because it doesn't make sense to do that it was like the titles at the opening as well where you know a name comes up and then another name under yeah 
like they've just pressed enter on a computer yeah. <laughs> the new thing is yes. popping up like you've done a program but yeah so oh, it was a punchy ending and then a slightly yeah it's a mistake yeah. to have always there yeah it didn't fit they should have had options yeah rather sometimes it does work sometimes it works perfectly but sometimes it's just like oh man and you know nothing to do with Marty Webb singing of it it's just the wrong no, energy I love Marty Webb yeah she's terrific end of episode so did you enjoy your return oh to I loved it yeah. Fabulous. You get all the good sailing. Oh, I know. And there's always somebody I know. Well, I cannot thank you enough for coming back. It's been oh, delightful. My pleasure. It's brilliant. I mean, you know, there's six series, so... No, I will be just, back. Just, like, keeping you on speed dial. Uh, please do tuck into your box set, though, when your twins give you the time. Yeah, absolutely. We have much to discuss. But as always, thank you for coming in. And uh, you're going to sing us out, I believe. I'm just getting my lyrics. That's fine. <laughs> it just remains for me to say, thank you, Frogstone, for being always there. Thank you. Howard's way, he builds it Howard's way. That beam is far too slim. That boat won't float. Lynn's at sea, and then in NYC, there's a ends badly and a creepy man who comes and talks about taking a child away and unfit mothers is a plot point that is not resolved <laughs> head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.